0: Fans. Welcome to the Fairstyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're rolling right, right along. Uh, getting to our normal schedule again, doing a couple of these shows for week, because you know what? we got football coming up in uh, five or six weeks or so. So we're going to talk about this USC Georgia football team. We've heard from uh, the head coach, Clay Helton. We've heard from Keaton Slovis. We've heard from Mike Bone, USC's athletic director. We'll talk about all that, about the schedule that should be released sometime this week and find out who that crossover game is going to be with the season starting on the weekend of November 7th. If you have any questions or comments on this show, you can always send them to us. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that. 424-254-9141. We do appreciate any and all reviews on all the different podcasting platforms. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us five stars. Some positive feedback is always great. It really does help to grow the show. We got Keely your joining us again as usual follow on twitter at keely is my name i'm sure she'll have some of those reviews you guys have left to read but i just want to welcome her in first thanks keely for coming on how are you
1: hello hello ryan glad to be on the show again we're we have some football to talk about i'm excited little football
0: there was a <laughs> press conference we've had trojans live there's a news reports and stuff coming around a lot of debate over the schedule and what it should be so we'll talk about All that kind of stuff. Sort of a downer of an AP poll. So a bunch of different uh, topics to get to. But like I mentioned at the top, it is always cool when people leave us reviews. The Apple podcasting uh, app is great. It just, you know, more five stars on there. It really does help grow the show. And I guess we got some uh, new ones, Keely.
1: Yeah, we have two new ones. The first one is from Jeffyboy123, who said, They, tell, they told me to. Five stars. I'm writing this because Ryan and Keeley told me to do it. Honestly, I've listened to the podcast since day one. Haven't listened to all of them, but most of them. And it's only getting better. Thank you, Ryan and crew. Fight on. Thank you, Jeffyboy. And yeah, then... The title for the second one is If You Like Analogies, You'll Love This Podcast. I think that's an homage to you, Ryan, and your analogies. Uh, It's a five-star rating from Trojan Lucero, who says, I listen to this podcast every day on my commute to and from work. The team always has great inside information about Trojan football, and I love listening to their perspectives about USC and college football in general. Excellent podcast for Trojans and college football fans. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, those are very nice. Thank you. We do appreciate it. It does help grow the show. So, uh, you know, when we ask it's just because it, it does help, and we appreciate it. And If anyone's out there listening, I think the uh, you know there's been a long off season, Keeley. I don't know if you have noticed yes. that. There's been yeah, a long, I
1: have a little bit. A little,
0: little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I think there can be some apathy with fans uh, not having actual football to talk about. So I'm excited about these next this next month and a half or so uh, as we get ramped up and get ready for a college football season. It's just going to be. I don't know. It's going to be something just you're not used to. It's like I was uh, if you're going to you watch a commercial or something or an old concert and you see a whole bunch of people like shoulder to shoulder, like jumping up and down, cheering something in your brain like goes, that's not right. Like what? And that seven months ago, that was completely normal. And like now it's not. And it's been normal to not have football to talk about. But you're starting to see it on TV. You're talking about it more. We're, we're getting more interview opportunities. And now it's like, Yes, it's like kind of changing your mindset to going back to actually having football again.
1: Yeah, it felt a little normal this past weekend. I know I've said before that I wasn't watching a lot of college football just because it felt weird. But this was the first weekend where I was like, okay, this feels slightly normal. You know, with the SEC coming back, I just watched football all Saturday and it was a good overload of college football. It was a good it was it felt normal, which was weird because then I still went outside and had a mask on and we're still in a pandemic. So you got the best of both worlds, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Cause I went, um, so I'm still kind of keeping distant a little. Like it was the, I know it was the SEC opening weekend. There were some big upsets like Oklahoma lost and LSU lost. And, you know, Mike yeah. Leach had a big, we'll talk about that a little bit too. I ended up going camping in Joshua tree. So I was completely off the grid. Like, you know, <laughs> it's about a social distance you can get. There's nobody around, Yeah. but I sort of removed myself again. So I think I'm kind of like going to slowly start, you know, just I'm dipping my toe in as far as getting college football back. Cause it's, I think the toughest two weeks are going to be after uh, – the weekend before Halloween when the Big Ten starts and the Mountain West is going to start. There's going to still be two weeks before the Pac-12 starts after that (laughs) because by then it's going to be like you're in the middle of the season for everyone else. The Big Ten and the Mountain West are starting, so there's West Coast teams, California teams playing football, and you still got two more weekends until the Pac-12
1: plays. I know. But like I said, I still want to see – I, I'm I'm hesitant about the Mountain West. I want to see how their return is because I I know that some of the schools are dealing with like COVID outbreaks. There's things going on, so I'm still I'm still a little skeptical about that whole situation with the Mountain West. I that's I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> it's
0: Sort of like that was rushed along a little bit. That was pushed through, and if it does end up working though, then you could argue that the Pac-12 screwed that up and they could have sure. pushed along too. But we'll see if if it does. We're even seeing some. I think that the Tennessee Titans had a. At an outbreak and they're testing daily so they're you know this isn't foolproof there's not like it's gonna 100 percent work but so far it's it's worked enough you know it's not been like a disaster it's not going to be perfect um and it still could be a disaster but so far it's not been a disaster it's it's you know it seemed to work like the sec teams didn't seem to have much of a problem
1: yeah but in the same vein the sec teams kind of have a different I feel like mindset to this, you know how Ed Orgeron was pretty proud about the fact that they essentially have herd immunity now at LSU. So I think it's a different approach per school and per conference, but I mean, the, the Titans, they might have to be, I, I, I read right before we started podcasting that they might just only have a walkthrough on Saturday and still play on Sunday. Uh, so it's just crazy how teams have to adjust to, to outbreaks and whatnot.
0: You have to adjust, and it's like, the show must go on. It's the NFL, man. So uh, <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. No they're going to push it through.
0: <laughs> they got the practice squad guys coming up there. They'll do whatever they need to do. Um, so mm-hmm. just, yeah, keep your powder dry if you're like an NFL practice squad. You could be called up at any second, Yeah. Um, which I think Deontay Burnett was. Yeah, he called.
1: was. Yep. So, he, uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. Before I roll into the show, I just want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. I like going and uh, checking out the Trader Joe's website each week when I go in and Maybe pick out something that I want to get, and this one caught my eye. This isn't a chocolate one. Apple cider fruit spread, and it's on a big pi- pile of pancakes. So, which I love. So it's sort of like a replacement for syrup if you want to. But you could put it on your English muffin in the morning. Uh, if you're going to make any of those thumbprint cookies, you could add that as the little the, the fruit part of the thumbprint. Even if you're going to have something, uh, you know, a little more savory, you're going to have like pork chops. You could put it on there. So. It looks really good. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's only 3.49. It's a seasonal item, so there's a lot. That's what I like, especially the fall stuff at Trader Joe's. There's some really cool seasonal items. So make sure you go check that out. The apple cider fruit spread.
1: Nice. It looks very uh, autumnal. It looks like a good fall treat to have and to top put on your your pancakes and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I love those fall treats. Yeah, it's good. Uh, are you you're not a uh, candy corn person, right?
1: I am not. I'm one of the truthers on Twitter. I'm anti-candy corn, but there's a strong uh, group of people who love candy corn.
0: I do love the candy corn, like uh, especially the little pumpkins and stuff. So, But I try it's, not to buy them because
1: it's like, you know. It's just like wax. It's like sugary wax. There's no really satisfying element of candy corn.
0: Well, they're very satisfying. I,
1: no <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Where do we want to begin um maybe we could talk about some of the football stuff that happened over the weekend uh sure. we mentioned so keji costello if you guys remember him uh stanford quarterback he went to he transferred uh you know uh davis mills has a job at stanford now but he ends up going to the sec to mississippi state who's the coach there's it like dan mullins or something no Do you know who the coach there is mike leach mike leach is now the <laughs> coach at mississippi state so what are they going to do they're going to play the defending national champion LSU Tigers. 15-0 last year. Beat what seventeen top ten teams. And Ed Orgeron, former head coach at USC, uh, who's down there. And I'm actually reading the book uh, that he, you know, his book with Bruce Feldman, and it's really interesting. There's a lot of good USC stuff in there. So we'll, uh, you guys might have to check that out when it comes out.
1: Ooh, did you get a preview copy?
0: I got a preview copy. Ooh. Yeah, so. it's one of those Perks- good ones too, where there's no like, there's no like. Pre- there's no, like forwards yet or anything there's nothing like it's just the the pros so oh um, you. i might throw a little drop into the war room some of the stuff that he'd say about a lot of pat hayden talk in the book so
1: oh wow uh, okay
0: yeah i gotta i'll talk to bruce and make sure what can i if i can <laughs> uh, tease a little but i'm sure it helps you know just to tease it but it's, it's yeah. there's enough usc influence in there where he talks about how pete carroll influenced him like what happened when he became the interim head coach at usc and stuff and basically the same thing happened again at lsu and obviously they the championship. But anyway, a Costello throws for, what, 627 yards? Oh, my um, gosh. And the big upset uh, over LSU. Like, Mike Leach, it's one of those things where you wanted him to get, like, a a better job. I mean, Texas Tech was pretty good. Washington State was pretty good. It's not like Mississippi State's amazing, but it is in the SEC. And when you can beat – when he would beat, like, Texas when he was at Texas Tech, it would make a big splash, you know, or if he beat USC – uh, or Oregon, or something. But, you know, beating the defending national champion and throwing for that many yards, like, he's definitely going to catch some attention uh, in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, it's not the same LSU team that we saw uh, in 2019, but still, it's impressive. I mean, I think KJ Costello broke like four different SEC records. Like it was just like a hello SEC, this is the air raid. Nice to meet you. It was a it was a very interesting game to watch. Um, and one of those things that was so surreal, like if you told someone, yeah, in in 2019, KJ Costello, and Mike Leach are are on the same team and they're in the sec you just be like what are you talking about you know but here we are in in 2020
0: and that's a very 2020 thing so that's one of the things i saw and i was like oh man i can't believe i missed that that's gonna be great but certainly that's gonna be much watch uh tv you got to watch what mississippi state does uh i think they jumped into the ap poll um yeah number 16 so uh congrats to uh to Mike Leach there, uh, LSU dropped down to number 20. We'll talk about that in a bit, too. But the other, like, USC-related SEC news, I'm sure there's other ones, but... Um, so, you remember JT Daniels? You remember him, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it sounds familiar, Ryan.
0: <laughs> so he transferred, got immediately eligible, still had three years to play. Kirby Smart said on Monday that he was cleared. So that knee injury that he suffered the beginning of last season, so just a, a little over a year ago now, he missed, you know, obviously most of that final season, all but the first half of the, the Fresno State game. He's going to be available to play in Saturday's game against, Ar- against Auburn. So, big game, Georgia-Auburn. Ar- mm-hmm. Auburn. Why am I saying that wrong? <laughs> Just a, my, I've been talking way too much lately. Uh, but so, what happened was, Georgia won the opener uh, handily against Arkansas at 37-10. But Dwan Mathis, the starter, he was a freshman. He threw for 55 yards, (laughs) okay, with a pick. Not great. They brought in a former walk-on, Stetson Bennett, Bennett, and uh, he had over 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But, you know, it's one of those things where who's going to give you the best chance to win? I I don't think Kirby Smart announced that JT Daniels would be the starter. I'd be kind of shocked if he wasn't. And it's going to be really interesting to watch JT Daniels again playing football out there if if he gets the start.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, this was the game Georgia had, was one of those games where the final score was much more, uh, it gave a different picture than if you actually watched the game. It was one of those things where I think if JT was ready to go, he would have been put in in the second quarter because it was just, they were not getting anything done on their offense. And they have a new offensive coordinator, so, and they had no time in spring. You know, it's just such a wacky offseason, but. You know, I I think Kirby Smart has been more conservative. I think he is with his players and getting them medically cleared. So I think that's why you didn't see JT Daniels. But the fact that he is cleared is a good sign for him. Now, if he will play, we'll see. But considering the, the issues that they had, I don't think they want to turn to the third string former walk-on again. So it'll be interesting to see JT Daniels playing in a Georgia uniform one year after, you know, he took that unfortunate injury with USC. It's just, once again, one of those mind-blowing things that if you told someone in 2019, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Well, how does that make sense? So, but, you know, we wish all the best to JT Daniels, and hopefully this is the start of of something good for him at Georgia.
0: Yeah, so no matter what you're doing on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, I would flip over to ESPN, if I were you. You have number four Georgia, number seven Auburn, boom, uh, you hope JT Daniels gets a start and you just want to watch. And uh, for those that were, I think the USC fans are really critical of JT Daniels. It was tough because I think so much of it has to do with the system that you're in. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Keaton Slovis, if, you, if he was a year younger and he started where JT Daniels did in 2018, he probably would look the same. And I think JT Daniels would look really good if he played in the offense he was, you know, last year. Uh, he's got a really good supporting cast at georgia um now they're gonna be playing some tough competition but i I expect him if he gets to play he's gonna come out and and play well but there's no way i'm not watching that game even even if jt doesn't start but because you're gonna because if he's available and they put someone else in and he stinks like you know jt daniel's gonna get the play
1: yeah it'll be interesting for sure and like you said ryan i think JT got a bad rap in that 2018 season. There were a lot of things that were not working. The gumbo offense, lack of development at the quarterback position by, you know, quarterback coaches and whatnot. So it's, it'll be interesting, interesting to see, because I think he'll do better than I think some USC fans think.
0: Yeah. So uh, hopefully the USC fans are rooting for JT Daniels. If he does get the start. Um, Well, so the big news, obviously we did an emergency podcast uh, last week, Thursday night, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so since then, we you, there was a press conference with uh, Clay Helton, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, Keaton Slovis. They had Trojans live on Monday night, where you heard again from Clay Helton and Keaton Slovis and USC athletic director, uh, you know, Mike Bone. A lot of the same stuff was was said. I put up a story, kind of about what a lot of the stuff from Clay Helton's presser, and he seemed, you know, as far as like preparing, there's about six weeks left. Two weeks would be uh, sort of the pre-fall camp stuff. They can do the 20-hour-a-week stuff now with the NCAA instead of you know, just the 12 that they were doing. But that was an expanded. It used to be like an eight-hour-a-week thing and a 20-hour-a-week. The NCAA expanded it to 12, and I think USC took advantage of that as much as they could, where they couldn't lift inside. Uh, they still couldn't have more than 12 people in a group. They're being kind of coy about how many people they can have now, but Clay Helton made it sound like it was bigger and it could be better. I talked to a source and they weren't going to give me any specifics, but it seems like that cohort, num- cohort number has Im- increased a little bit. Um, he talked about having like the you know the offense out there on the field. They can do skill work, uh, they can do agility work. You know th- that 20 hour a week will include um, you know strength and conditioning and, and weightlifting, all that kind of stuff. But it's a it it sounded like Clay was very confident that they were going to be able to get ready. For fall camp, I don't think if you had to start camp tomorrow, you'd be able to have the whole team on the field doing stuff uh, with the cohort rules. But I think by the time that two week period ends and really about I think it's October 9th is when the start of uh, USC fall camp will be. It could even be a day earlier. It depends on if USC plays on the sixth or the seventh. Um, but it seemed like Clayton was very confident, Keeley, that they were going to be able they were ready to go. They practiced and done it and did as much as they possibly could under the restrictions. Uh, I know Arizona State has done a lot, and you could do a lot more in Arizona. Uh, but, you know, even compared to UCLA, you know, players were still on campus. UCLA sent people home. So I think yeah. USC took advantage as much as they could. They You know, they squeezed every ounce of what can we do practice-wise, you know, pre- preparation-wise to get ready for the season. And, and Clayton seemed pretty confident that they would be ready for fall camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, USC did as much as they could... And they couldn't do a lot, so it's 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 twofold, you know. They're not going to be <laughs> an Arizona State or a Colorado who was doing everything. You know, I had someone from Colorado kind of say they're ready to go, and so definitely USC is not in that space. But it was just crazy because you know you have that big announcement on Thursday. Hey, the pack goes back, and what is USC doing on Friday? They're still in their cohorts doing workouts. They can't really do much, and so you know I had I did confirm Ryan that they are in a little bit bigger co- cohorts, but nothing. That what they need to do uh, in order to practice football, and so I was told that hopefully that cohort number would officially be revised on Monday. I checked in on Monday; it was not. The goal was today to get that from the state and county level. Uh, I haven't heard anything on that front, so that's why I was warning you. Like the the state is kind, it's not a priority in the sense that they're dealing with wildfires, they're dealing with a pandemic, so they're still they have to go through all that tape to to get this officially revised. So if they could practice tomorrow, they couldn't, you know, if, if they wanted to, they couldn't. So that's the the tricky part that USC is still trying to do um, as much as they can with as limited <laughs> of things as they can do. And, you know, I asked Clay Hilton in the, the press conference on Friday, you know, this is probably the longest install period a defensive coordinator has ever had, you know, to install a new defense. And he was like, you know, that's right. But I'll be honest with you, it's been really hard. He was like, we've done a lot of mental installation, of course. But there's a, a true component to a defense and especially Todd Orlando's physical defense where you need that physical installation, those reps. He was like, we've done as much as we can positionally, but together as a full defense, you know, you, you need to have that that coordination and that chemistry between position groups and how they need to communicate. Uh, how are you going to adjust to different position groups or different uh Uh, packages, offensive packages, if someone goes in motion, who picks that up, you know, stuff like that, where they need to practice that out. And of course, you can't do that in cohorts of six to 12 people. So Clay was like, mentally, they've got it, they've gone over it over and over and over again, almost ad nauseum. But there's still that that connection that needs to be made where you're going full speed and your mind still has to make the right calls and whatnot. So um, I think they're really itching to go. And it's just it's unfortunate that this cohort issue is still kind of holding them back. Of course, there still has to be the ramp up. And and it's not like they're trying to go full speed tomorrow. They still have to have that time period. So Mike Bone, I believe, said that they want to go the first week of August or excuse me, the first week of October. So that's the goal right now. But um, they're still trying to get that cohort issue worked out.
0: Yeah. uh, On Trojans Live, he talked about, I think he did in the press conference, too, that basically – that six week period is going to be the implementation of the systems because, you, like you talked about, they installed as much as they could without having everybody on the field doing stuff together. You know, there was film work or there was, uh, you know, meetings, whatever you could do in those smaller groups, but it's hard to install, like, here's what you got to do when you can't actually be on the field doing it. So he looked at it, they had to implement all of those systems. It was not just with Todd Orlando on the defense, but Sean Snyder and his special teams, you know, that's yeah. the second year under Graham Harrell. Uh, he said there's a lot of physical implementation of systems that's going, uh, that's going to go on over the next six weeks. I uh, like where our kids are right now from a physical standpoint. They really have done a lot of work over the last two months to be in the type of shape to be prepared for fall camp. So, like you said, they try to keep them in shape, try to mentally prepare them. Uh, but now you can physically implement these systems. And it's it's been a long time coming. And hopefully... If the cohort thing doesn't get resolved, you know, in the next couple of days, that's going to, I think, you know, it's going to be significant. Like, you know, the, the, yeah. the more time this goes on, the less time you have to really get this team ready, actually being on the field instead of, you know, Zoom meetings and all that other stuff.
1: Yeah, you're going to have a tighter and tighter window the longer this drags out. So that's why they're hoping it gets resolved today. But, you know. They also said they'd hope it it would get resolved Monday, so we'll see. But the interesting thing is that Bone did say in the presser that uh, they wouldn't have a Navy situation, where if you recall against BYU, Navy didn't even practice leading up to the game, and Navy just looked horrible, like it was just not good. And so it's interesting when you look at, you know, what's, without even a pandemic, what's the knock we always have on USC in the way they practice? They're not being physical, they're not practicing, they're not practicing hard enough, they're not tackling well. So now, you know, in a pandemic where you might have a legitimate excuse, it seems like Bone is saying, well, that's not going to happen, you know, but will Clay Hilton let that happen? Will Todd Orlando be able to be as physical as he wants to be? You know, I'm not sure if we'll be able to see practice this season, but that's something that if I, if we were going to see practice, I'll definitely watch out for is like, how much are they going to push it given that they have such a limited time to get things uh, settled, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't want to have injuries, obviously, but you do need to get the, the body prepared uh, for the football season, so I, I think Mike Bone has the idea that he wants physical practices out there. So we'll see, and I, I know uh, Todd Orlando likes that. So I think we will see, even though it's a you know, no spring practice and shortened season and all that stuff. I think you're going to see some some of the physicality stuff if we can watch. And it sounded like from you know when we got to talk to uh, Mike Bone, uh, it sounded like they were going to be open to you know, trying to be as accommodating to the media as possible and, and whatever works. I mean, they're, they're really just focused on trying to get practice going, but yeah. um, they're not going to be someone that's like, no, we're just going to keep the media out. I think he's, he's someone that does like to have uh, that openness. And it was funny reading the, going back to the Ed Orgeron book. Um, uh, it's called Flipping flip the Script. Um, flipping the Script or Flip the Script. He talked about it, you know, when he took over for Lane, that Lane had cr- closed practices and Orgeron opened them, open them back up again. And that's like what Pete Carroll did, and he thought that's what's the best for the team. And I think that's what works at the USC culture, is having more of that openness. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like Mike Bone's on board with that, which is good.
1: Yeah, it sounded like they're going to try and be as accommodating as possible. You know, I was trying to put in the good word, like, hey, what if we can just, like, go on data or on the pool deck, or, like, we all have our little spread out pods, you know? But I don't know. It's such a, It's such a hard... Uh, situation just given that I believe they said that the the campus is closed in itself and it's hard to get like people clearance to even go on campus so it seems like a headache for USC to try and figure out but if we can I'm I will be there I want to see practice for sure (laughs)
0: 100% we want to do that um you also put up a story uh the uh no more there was another week of no positive uh COVID-19 tests so I mean it's not like the end-all be-all but You'd rather have none than some, so that's that's a good thing going into the this six-week period before the season starts.
1: Yeah, and this is the third consecutive week that they haven't had a positive case, and they have been going to uh, biweekly testing, so twice a week. They are testing this, the student-athletes to make sure that they don't have anything. That was uh, in response to an outbreak that they had at the, a couple of months ago where they had eight players test positive. And and the important thing to note is that this is what they're doing without the Quidel daily testing system. So the fact that they've had this buy-in and that their plan has worked so well that they're having these weeks of no positive cases, I think is is a testament to that. So, I mean, I'm sure it will get much better once you have the capacity to test daily. But Clay Hilton said in the press conference on Friday that they did get their machines, but they're still trying to Uh, train their medical personnel so that everyone can uh, use it so they're still trying to get that off the ground but I'm sure I mean it's it's nice for USC that they aren't dealing with a ton of outbreaks like some other schools are but you know it will be much easier for them once they get that ability to reduce infection infectiousness and and know where everyone's at every single day
0: yeah so they're they're still ramping up with those tests and everything and you know I don't think we'll get the releases every day, you know, like now that, you know, <laughs> yeah. but maybe once a week they're like, Oh, this, we did seven tests this week. And, um, and I think, I believe they're going to do antigen tests. Uh, and then once one, like uh PCR test, which is the more, um, it, it takes a little longer, but it's supposed to be a little bit more accurate too. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: but yeah, I, I mentioned this on the, uh, the podcast of champions kind of talked about, it. I read a bunch of stuff on the testing and, it basically was like there's a there's a small period from like when you get exposed to the virus and the, there's a that viral load will build up in your system if you like within the first few hours if you took a pcr test it would show a positive the antigen tests wouldn't but within like a half a day the antigen test would then show it's like while the, you're the virus is ramping up in your body the antigen test doesn't pick it up until later on but the The thing is, the PCR test you're taking like once every three days or once every five days, you would have to hit that window like perfectly to get a a positive on the PCR test and not the antigen test. But because you do the antigen test every day, you're going to catch it uh, way faster than even with the more quote unquote like accurate test. That's like people talk about the gold standard because the turnaround time is a lot longer and you don't test it as often even though there's a, a small window that you would miss uh, of catching the virus with the antigen test, the fact that you're doing it every day just eliminates that uh, advantage, you know? So you have a huge advantage by doing it every day, even though it's not quite as quote-unquote accurate, if that makes sense. Have, have you read stuff like that too, Keely?
1: Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I don't really have anything else to add because you kind of covered it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then so and what the, the PAC-12 is saying to do, I think it's a one PCR test per week. But then if anyone tests positive, they would be retested with the PCR test, too, just to make sure it's not a, uh, you know, a false positive or things like that. So uh, it'll be that'll be interesting to see once they start ramping up with the daily testing, because really, in those situations, you know, the way it's supposed to work is if someone does get it, you just catch it quickly. So it's not spreading. And that's that's where you want it to be. But, you know, USA's yeah. been good three weeks without any positive tests. So uh, that's a positive. And yeah. still, we still don't know a lot about, like, catching it, like, on the field, you know, between teams or between teammates. And my gut is still more, it's like, when you're in these groups inside, as opposed to, like, being outside practicing or playing a game. But I don't know, we'll see. I think we'll keep, you know, we'll keep learning. And, you know, as this, uh, the, this goes on, but the, you want those numbers to stay down. And so far, USC has done a really good job of keeping them down.
1: Yeah, I will add, Ryan, I asked a source about um, has the Pac-12 established uh, like a positivity rate threshold for teams? You know, if, if too many people test positive, will uh, will a certain group have to sit out? Will a team have to cancel? And apparently that hasn't been established yet. They haven't done that. Um, but the source did say that given how the Pac-12 has been really diligent about um, just every detail and, and putting student health, uh, making that a priority, they probably will establish a threshold but that hasn't been figured out yet
0: yeah um and you know if the threshold's a little crazy then uh then the season could be in jeopardy games could be in jeopardy so (laughs) and and that's the thing
1: too is that is that sorry to cut you off ryan the the source warned that you know this Pact 12 CEO group is the presidents and the chancellors, and they are very much from the world of academics. You know, they're academia. They want to do things by the book and do things that are very science medically based. And like they don't fully care <laughs> about like football or they don't come from the world of athletics. And so the source cautioned that, you know, they're still going to have an oversight role during this whole seven game modified season. And if they feel like it's not going to plan and what they deem is their plan, I don't know. But if they don't feel like it's going to plan, they they might just pull the plug on it, you know, and and we kind of heard that in the Pac-12 press conference yes. as well. Uh, Michael Schill, I believe, uh, said that the the Oregon president and president of the CEO group, uh, he said like if if we're not going to go through with this with our eyes shut, like we're gonna if it's, things aren't going right, we're gonna press pause. So a source caution that as well is that these presidents and, and chancellors. They march to the beat of their own drum, and if things are going, you're not going to see a SEC herd immunity type situation. Like they're going to shut it down pretty quick. So that's the the warning.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, and that was Michael Shill for sure. Now, I thought that was interesting when he said that. He kind of said it a, a couple of times. And you're like, wow, they're really, like, ready to shut this down. But he also said it wasn't about the money. So then he sort of, like, tuned out anything he said after that because then you knew it was bull crap because whatever. Like, of course it's about the money. Like, if it, if money had nothing to do with this, they wouldn't be playing football right now. So um, it's not just that. I mean, just the reputation of the conference and the money that it could bring. You know, being left behind and being the only Power Five conference, that's not going to work. For, I mean, if you're, if you're just being disingenuous saying that money had nothing to do with that decision, which is... But whatever. But, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the point is, it's they really could shut it down if, uh, you, you know, you see a whole bunch of positive tests. And, uh, you know, even if the team could play, and in the SEC, they probably would. In the Pac-12, they might not.
1: Yeah. Yep. Exactly.
0: Uh, all right. Let's see. What else do we want to talk about today? Um, so, the no positives. The AP poll, and you had actually brought this up to me before, and I hadn't really paid attention to it, but they're uh, – <laughs> Yeah, so now that the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to play this fall, the AP poll is including those teams uh, in the poll. Now, they're not playing for a while. It's still going to be six more weeks. And maybe this is the reason why only Oregon is ranked in the in the AP poll for, for the Pac-12 and uh, you're not seeing as many, you know, big 10 teams they had ohio state i think started number two uh you know they're down to to number six penn state's up there in the top 10 that you know at number 10 they got wisconsin at 19 and michigan at 23. uh like i said the pac-12 you got oregon at 14. and then you know teams like uh usc and um washington as others receiving votes i think utah might be in there too. yeah utah's got some votes um but I don't know if I'm a voter like how the heck do you it it it's it's like apples and oranges I don't know how you can yeah. like, You've seen like um teams like you know Louisiana Lafayette or whatever like I think they were ranked for a while I don't think they are anymore but uh teams like that play and like they get a big win over uh, a power 5 team You're like wow that's impressive but Oregon hasn't played how do you compare those two um I mean you got some teams that are 3 and 0 in the poll you got some teams that haven't <laughs> or six weeks out from playing. So it's just really hard to uh, make those comparisons.
1: Yeah, I think it was just interesting in the context of after Saturday when the Big 12 just didn't look that good. You know, you have uh, Oklahoma lose to Kansas State. You know, you had some people go, hey, well, maybe a 7-0 and Pac-12 team uh, isn't that, Far off from maybe being considered for the college football playoff, but then you get the AP poll, and Oregon is the only Pac-12 team in there, and they don't even crack the Pac. Uh, the, they don't even crack the ten, the top ten. Whereas Ohio State is in there, and you know, of course, there's differences, and and the Pac-12 perception is going to be low nationally. It's just interesting. It was kind of a reality check to those people who, after seeing how the Big 12 kind of fared, and thought that maybe they had given their assumed CFP spot to the Pac-12 it was kind of reality check of maybe not you know they still have to play and then see how that goes so I don't know it's just everyone's trying to predict well what does the Pac-12 have to do to be in consideration and at this point I don't think we really know.
0: No we don't and there's there's gonna be some probably wild movements in the polls and the AP poll doesn't matter for uh, the playoff anyway but it's just you know it's a pretty good indicator you know you get a team like Pitt and the ACC, they're 3-0, and they're way down at 24. Mississippi State wins one game, and they, they weren't ranked. They jump up to number 16, you know, because, well, they beat LSU. So I, I don't know about USC's opportunities to impress with the – and we'll talk about the schedule in a second. Um, you know, with the the South schedule, uh, you know, Utah's lost a lot. SU's sort of like a team on the rise, but they're not like this power. Um, you know, USC's going to be the favorite in the South. And it's going to depend on the crossover game, you know. If they got to play Oregon in the crossover game, which I don't think would be a smart move by the Pac-12, but that's at least a chance to, uh, you know, impress people. But most likely, it would be playing like an Oregon in the uh, the championship uh, championship game. But maybe we could talk about that a little, Keely, the uh, the schedule, because we know it's going to be, um, you know, sometime this week is what the reports uh, have been coming out that we're going to hear from the Pac-12. Will it be this crazy release thing like we saw for the Big Ten when they were doing it piece by piece and just really dragging out the pregame shows uh, over the weekend? Or is it going to be more of uh, here's a press release or, you know, who knows? We're not sure what they're going to do, but it should be sometime this week. Um, The only, you know, really just finding out the exact details of championship weekend. And we assume it's going to be Seated playing, you know, each division seated playing each other, ones versus ones, two versus twos, you know, ones being the championship game and all the way down to give everyone that extra game. But how do you choose the crossover? And I like, um, John Canzano, uh, uh, you know, covers, uh, the Ducks and, and the Beavers and does a great job, uh, on the Bald Faced Truth, his, his radio show up there in Oregon, um, talking about there's essentially three contenders in the North. Oregon, Washington, and Cal, and three in the South, USC, Utah, and Arizona State. And he says those three should not be playing each other. Uh, And so his suggestion was, like, you kind of keep it with the California schools. USC plays Stanford. uh, UCLA plays uh, Cal. And I think with – I think at the Oregon schools playing – I forget what – it might have been the Mountain schools or vice versa, and then but you would have, like, Oregon playing Colorado and Oregon State playing – Uh, Utah, you know, so you wouldn't have the two um, favorites for the division playing each other. And the same thing with the Washington schools playing like, uh, you know, so Washington would play Arizona, where Washington State would play Arizona State. And I think it all made sense. You kind of keep them in these regions. And uh, I I like that idea. I don't know if they're going to try to restrict travel as much because, you know, I don't know, you're playing the teams in your division, but it seems like that would uh, work, but I don't have any thoughts on the, the schedule, Keely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a source and they reiterated that, you know, the pac hole is going to do everything they can to keep the home and away splits as intact as they can. They don't want to disrupt the 2021 season or any of those seasons. Um, So they're going to try and keep the splits where, you know, USC played ASU away. So ASU will still come to the Coliseum this season, stuff like that. Um, I have reason to believe that the Pac-12 wouldn't try and put USC and Oregon together in the regular season as a crossover. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I think it would be smarter if the Pac-12, Just knowing how complicated California has been, if you try and group up the California schools as the crossovers, I think that would make sense, but um, not fully sure on that yet. Um, So, I mean, it'll be interesting just to see how uh, the schedule gets worked out. A source said that the Pac-12 had talked about doing, you know, kind of a Big Ten reveal. They wanted to do something kind of big with the schedule, which where would you put that considering the Pac-12 network is not really functioning anymore? I don't know. Um, so it, I, it's kind of up in the air and I know Konzano kind of was asking the Pac-12, well, Hey, who put the, who is putting the schedules together? And they didn't really give him an answer. So it seems like the fact, there was like a pac- committee, you know? Yeah. It seems like the pac 12's is up to Pac-12 shenanigans again, but uh, I, I think, you know, and I don't, I know I can hear the groans already, but Clay Helton has had success in the Pac-12 South. He's 20-4, and if you can count his interim year, uh, in the Pac-12 South. So this is a favorable schedule. Once again, each schedule reiteration that Clay Helton gets is much more favorable for him. So, I mean, USC can take care of business in this uh, this schedule, what we know of it so far. But it's just interesting how everything keeps evolving.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Kanzano's uh, column was funny. He was, like, going through his day, like, yeah. playing with his kids or whatever, talking about it. I was like, where is this going? And he's, like, waiting to hear back from the the Pac-12 and waiting to hear back on who's making the schedule. And it was sort of like, if you remember, uh, you know, the um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. At the end, you know, Indiana Jones is, like, trying to find out what they're doing with the Ark. And the government guys are sitting there. We've got top men working on it. And he's like, who? He's like, top men. And then they put the <laughs> Ark in the warehouse with all the boxes and stuff and just like baby tuck it away so like they were not going to say who these top men or women or whoever was working on uh this schedule so uh, i thought that was funny and and the home and away thing that's the only issue is i feel like it would also be nice i don't remember if Gonzano's column addresses this but they'd rather put the teams that are the favorites of the division at home um so usc if usc plays stanford they would play in the Coliseum because. USC is the favorite in the South. They don't want to give, you know, the favorite in the South four road games and three home games. The problem is, uh, you know, that Stanford is, they, they played in, in the uh, Coliseum last year. So if you want to keep, you know, if you want to keep that continuity going, you would rather have USC go play up in the farm in 2020 and then come back to the Coliseum in 2021. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that with the home. Like, would you rather give an advantage to the the more favored teams to give them a little bit of an advantage?
1: Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I don't feel like the twelve will put that much thought into it. Like who's necessarily favored per matchup, you know, I, to me, the way it was described is that 2020 is so weird and that the scheduling is just going to be a little bit of a nightmare in that sense that if a team, you know, if USC has to go to ASU again to make the schedule work, then you're going to have to, that's a casualty of 2020 where USC might have to go to ASU three times in a row, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't know. It just, it, it seems like it's going to be a little messy for sure and trying to figure that all out is going to be Tetris for the the conference, but I, I don't know about the the favorite favorites and whatnot.
0: And we don't know uh, for that championship weekend where those games would be played, but it could, you know, um, that would be interesting too. But let's just go through the 2019 schedule and look at how many home games, or you know, if we're going to just flip them, right? So let's say Stanford is the crossover game. Um, so if Stanford's the crossover game, there would be a road game for USC. Utah, they played at home, so that would be another road game uh, for USC. Uh, Arizona, they played at home. That's a third road game for USC. Colorado was on the road. That would be in the Coliseum. Arizona State was on the road, so that would be in the Coliseum. And then USC played UCLA uh, in the Coliseum last year, so that would be on the road. So if you're going to just do the opposite of what you did last year for those six games, assuming it's Stanford— you would have four road games and two home games, so that's not going to work. So if you're going to just continue along with the Pac-12 South schedule, which is going to be more road games than home games for USC, that crossover game is probably going to have to be in the Coliseum. So you yeah. not play Stanford because you, you know, that would be three, you know, road games in a row for Stanford. I don't know, but that's I don't think you can have like four road games and two home games going into the championship game for a USC.
1: Yeah, no, I I think I think in that sense, yes, I think they'll try and do a crossover that makes the it's the piece that you can fit that makes it home in our way and make it more balanced. So I get what you're saying in that sense. Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, it seems like I don't know it it. It seems like they have it all figured out, and they're just waiting to have like some type of release. That's the sense I've got, but I don't know why. If you're the Pac-12, why well, you would hold out on that? Maybe you're trying to get the the TV networks involved right now or something. I it's it's complicated, but it sounds like they've had. Because what I was told was that you know when they made the official announcement on Thursday, it wasn't like they mentioned a little piece about scheduling. It sounded like from what they said, they had they hadn't done any work on the scheduling, but what I was told was they were pretty far, uh, ha- they have things pretty far figured out as far as scheduling. So um, their their public presentation of scheduling was not as good as what I've heard from behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that, so it's not going to be able to be super clean because we already know just the Pac-12 South, if you're going to probably follow along the lines, there's three road games, two home games. If you play Stanford, which makes the most sense, uh, that would Either have to be a road game, or you Stanford comes to L.A. three years in a row. Um, the other uh, division games that you would want to keep going, uh, you have Washington. Washington was you know could be in the Coliseum, but the problem is, uh, you know Washington is a, a contender. You know same thing uh, with Oregon. Uh, you know Oregon was at home. but That would be a road game. Uh, you know like it was going to be this year. That that would be an issue, and then. Cal could be a home game for USC, but they're a contender. So do you want two contenders going against each other? So nothing really works perfectly if you're trying to kind of keep the schedule matched up for years to come.
1: I mean, would you want to do something that's out of the rotation? So do like an Oregon State or a Wazoo, just because you can kind of do it as a 2020 oddity and then come back to that same, you know, you don't, you're not, that's not in your direct schedule right now for 2020.
0: I think that's a potential for that. But then you're obviously getting some teams that are screwed where, you know, this is a year that USC has, you know, Oregon, Washington and Cal all on the schedule. Um, you know, I think Utah or there's some of the school, I think Colorado, like they might have had a break and they like miss like Oregon or Washington. Like and then all of a sudden, like, well, now you're going to play them. you know, so um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do. Uh, I know they're they're not going to be able to keep everyone happy. There's going to be a lot of criticism when this comes out. But oh, yeah. to me, <laughs> it's more about just don't put your best teams in a bad spot. The SEC yes. did not give Alabama, uh, you know what, why don't you play Florida? No, they're not doing that. They didn't say Georgia. Well, you know what, we're going to add LSU to your schedule. They didn't do that. They gave you an easier road for the cross-division games because you had to have two of them in the SEC. Um, and I think the Pac-12 needs to do that, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hope that the Pac-12 will do the obvious, but as we've come to know, the Pac-12 doesn't always get it right. <laughs> no,
0: certainly uh, not. All right. Was there anything else before we get to questions? Do you have any other?
1: Uh, I think the only notable thing out of the whole other notable thing out of the whole week was that uh, actually our shotgun sprawling asked Keenan Slovis about, you know, have you pitched ABT at all to come back and stuff like that? And so, you know, Keaton kind of laughed and was like, you know what? I'm pretty close with ABT. I've made my pitch, but maybe I should circle back and make it again. Um, And I have found out from sources that ABT, Elijah Tucker did not uh, sign with an agent. So that makes the process of him potentially coming back much easier rather than a JT who has signed an agent. And it's probably likely, uh, solid in his decision to opt out um so it's there's a glimmer of hope for a possible AVT return which would be huge for usc that way they're not replacing three open positions on offensive line and you can plug AVT back in maybe to that left tackle opening but so that's something that Keenan slovis is kind of cheeky about he said that he's still trying to work on elijah vera tucker um so that's just something to watch out for and then clay helton said that um he said that right now J.T. Feli and ABT are the only two who have still publicly made a decision to opt out. Uh, he said guys are still making their decisions and he wouldn't really get into what he meant by decisions. But he said he'll give us a full update, that full practice in October, uh, that first full practice that they have. So we could see some movement either opting out or opting back in between now and that first real practice that USC has. So just something to keep an eye on.
0: All right. Well, why don't we uh, take a quick break? We got a couple questions, and we'll come right back. Here we go.
1: New CBS Monday. Federal
0: agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. It
1: new criminals to
0: catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder, and new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it Welcome to Paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10-9 Central on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. sure was a lot. We had a lot to we had a lot going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, we did. We only have one question though, Ryan, so we have a really? quick, a quick wrap up. Yes. all right well we'll uh, we'll do a quick wrap up wrap up on the question, I guess then. All right. <laughs> no voicemails, Mr. Abraham. Uh,
0: no, we we had a voicemail uh, yesterday for uh, Harvey Hyde, but you know anyone if you want to call in and leave us a voicemail it's four two four two five four. 9141 or uh, shoot us a text. I think we had a text, but it was a little out of date before the, uh, the announcements and stuff uh, came on. So yeah, I feel, you know, we'll get some more questions uh, rolling in on the voicemail line as we start to practice and start to get ready for the football season.
1: Very nice. I'm excited. So our one question comes from Junior from Moreno Valley. We have a strong following in Moreno Valley, which is exciting.
0: I, and <laughs> I, says, funny, uh, I, I drove through there because, like, driving oh. out to uh, yeah, driving out to Joshua Tree and stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm driving through Moreno Valley. I'm like, but <laughs> when, I wonder where Curtis is. Now, now, I wonder right. where Junior is? Yeah.
1: All right, exactly. There's some there are some cities now that are are very near and dear to my heart just because of this podcast. Moreno yeah. Valley, Poway, thanks to Stephen Poway, you know all yes. those people. Um, so, so Junior from Marina Valley says, hello, Trojans. Since the Pac-12 is back, this is the year to modify the traditional football mentality. College football is just like the MLB, where they are traditional and stubborn in their ways. MLB, as you're aware, for this season changed the extra inning rules, as well as modified the rules on teams qualifying for playoffs. Some will say that it might not work since the Pac-12 and Big Ten will be starting later than the SEC and ACC, but my counter-argument is that during the regular traditional schedule, qualified teams to the playoff usually wait a few weeks prior to a bowl game, and or their playoff game. Therefore, if the Pac-12 and Big Ten qualifies for a playoff, then the SEC and ACC can wait for them to finish their schedule. With that said, playoff expansion should be considered in college football, which can lead to more ratings, produce financial benefits, and ultimately just create a new possible idea moving forward. So that's his first question. I'll pause there, Ryan.
0: Yeah, and uh, so this is interesting. I think Larry Scott was asked about it. Uh, Andy Staples um, wrote a scathing column about it, that Larry Scott should be in the forefront of expanding Uh, the college football playoff and allowing the Pac-12 in. Larry Scott was asked about it, and it was sort of just like, well, there's all this other stuff going on. He sort of hinted that they were doing some behind-the-scenes work. And it's funny, I brought this up on the podcast of Champions, and I had some, I think there were Washington fans that were like, they didn't want it expanded. They're like, "Uh, the Pac-12 should get in only when they deserve it. And that mentality just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, you need to expand it you need to be in there in the conversation and uh, you need to get in there and play. And I think Mike Bone is on the same line. Um, he was asked about it on Trojans live last night and, you know, basically said it wasn't up to him, but his thoughts are, yeah, he would like to have it uh, expanded, but, you know, really in the, you wanted this uh, unity within the conference and all of that. So, uh, but, between reading between the lines of what Mike Bone said, he would like to see the playoff expanded. I think Larry Scott sort of hinted that that's what he wanted, but he would say it behind the scenes. But if that's what he wants, he should be out there and talking about it publicly, not like behind the scenes kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I this would have been the perfect year to me. Just hey, play that extra game, get everyone involved. UCF gets in there, whoever it is. Like you, you let a you know a group of five team in a couple of. Uh, at large teams, every conference champion, because everyone, every conference is going to be determined differently. It made a lot of sense to me, so that's probably why it's not happening.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was told from a source that USC specifically asked Larry Scott if they could, if he could advocate for the, the to. Uh, expand the college football playoff, even just for the season. And Larry Scott didn't really want to budge. Um, I was also told that USC tried to see if Larry Scott could ask the CFP to move back their, uh, their their final meeting, you know, when they make their final decisions, if they can move that back a couple weeks to give the conference more time. Larry Scott didn't really want to budge. I think the answer he gave in the press conference was that the college football committee, uh, playoff committee was very comfortable with where they're at right now. And then he didn't really want to push on that, which doesn't make any sense if you're the commissioner of the Pac-12, you know, you want to be advocating for your conference and what better way to get your conference in than expanding the the playoffs, especially in a weird year where everything's up in the air. Like, why not even just argue for like, hey, this is a weird one-off. Let's, let's just try it. See if you like it. If not, don't even do it. You know, like, try and like have some sort of argument to try and get your, your conference a better shot, but it just seems like Larry Scott just didn't want to do that. And so, you know, it, it just continues to be so baffling as to why Larry Scott does what he does, but that's kind of where we are right now, is that Larry Scott kind of was like, ah, oh, they're comfortable where they're at, and this is how it's going to be. So it's yeah. it's baffling.
0: It is a little baffling. You'd love to see them sort of push forward there, and, uh, and they didn't. So uh, that's where we are. But, you know, what does it mean going forward? Is it, you know, does it doom and gloom for the Pac-12? It was nice to get a couple... Uh, Of upsets, you know, in the first week, you know, if you're the Pac-12, that's sort of like, you know, the only chance you have uh, with some chaos. But you might get this, the committee delaying their decision if there's a bunch of postponements and games get pushed back and they need to, if all the conferences are having issues finishing their schedule on time, but they can still do it. Maybe they do push it back a couple of weeks. Now, I don't think that gives the opportunity for the Pac-12 to play extra games at this point, but I don't know if the Pac-12 daily testing is everything going smoothly and all these other conferences get delayed by a couple of weeks. Could you add, you know, an extra out of, uh, you know, division game or two at the end of the schedule? I don't know. I mean, there could be some options there, but it's something to watch because, you know, Notre Dame's get their, their game's already been postponed. Um, You know, there's going to be more of them. And uh, we'll, you know, by the time USC gets to kick off in early November, we'll have a much better feel of of what that's going to be like, because there's there could be a whole bunch more postponements and, and some cancellations. Who knows? We just don't know right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's still early days. We're not even in the cold winter months yet, where spread could be higher. You know, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays up and how sustainable it can be across different conferences. And you know, it'll be almost like a test of different strategies. You know, the Pac-12 tried to be really cautious, do daily testing. Do they have a better chance of getting all their games completed because of that? Who knows? You know, and the Pac-12, as a reminder, has a very small margin of error given that they're trying to play seven and seven you know so it'll be i i don't know we'll see what happens so it to be determined to be stay yeah. tuned <laughs> um we have one more question from junior who says uh this is a far stretch and wishful thinking question what are the chances of quarterback malik murphy class of 2022 uh my from my alma mater gardena juniper high school to be recruited from the my other al- alma mater usc as always fight on junior
0: yeah, we've seen him. Um, what kind of different? Some of the different events, Keely. Like we've seen him out there, um, you know, participating. He's he's looked, you know, impressive to me. I think he's one of those guys that's on their radar. I don't know what the chances are right now. I mean, they haven't had any visits and anything like that. So I think 2021 is way up in the air. 2022 is like who knows at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean USC's quarterback recruiting has been really interesting (laughs) just because like, I mean, they did get a quarterback commit uh, over recently. And so, you know, I, I don't know, but Malik Murphy is one of those guys where as a freshman, he was just this tall string bean. And then I saw him last year, a couple months ago. I don't know. It's all a blur at this point. And he definitely has grown into his body a little bit and looks more like uh, the five-star recruit that he is. So, you know, USC's quarterback recruiting right now is kind of, up in the air. It's such an interesting strategy, you know, taking Jake Garcia and, and, uh, Miller Moss together. I'm sure that will be an interesting, uh, parallel storyline. So I don't know. I, this is definitely my question for you and me, Ryan. I think it's definitely more towards, uh, Gerard, but I, I don't think the chances are very high right now.
0: It doesn't seem like it. Like, uh, AJ Duffy's probably up there at the top. Uh, he's from Moreno Valley actually. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Like he's in so, uh, but, um, the, you know, the latest I've heard from Gerard is like that, that, uh, Malik Murphy would be trending, uh, more on the negative side than the positive side. So, um, you know, not, it doesn't seem great, uh, right now, but like I said, there's just, I mean, it, that's pretty far in the future and you, it's going to depend a lot on does USC end up signing both Jake Garcia and Miller Moss. And I think that could change the game quite a bit.
1: Yep. Completely agree.
0: So. All right. Well, hey, good stuff. Um, lots of uh, so much. Yeah, interesting stuff to uh, talk about because you know it's USC football, so there's always something, always something going on. Um, exactly. Yeah. So people, yeah, we love uh, keep sending the questions. Thank you for doing that. Any topics you want us to discuss? We should know a lot more uh, by the time we do a show again next week. We're also going to do a uh, live tunnel vision on Wednesday night. So today's we're recording on Tuesday. So we're going to try to do a midweek now. Um, so Wednesday night, we'll do our tunnel vision show and hopefully we'll have the schedule. If not, we'll discuss the schedule or what we think it should be and, uh, and all that. So, um, yeah, that's uh, Keely York. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time, how we manage to have such unique interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices this is dan bain of trader joe's the answer is simple it's all in the way we do business we buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible this helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you no gimmicks just great values at honest prices every day at trader joe's thanks for listening